Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Roshvina, a student at Harvard Business School with prior experience in finance and more recently venture capital in Africa. And I'm Anvita, Harvard Business School class of 22. I've actively worked in VC and tech startup space. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple. increase the representation of women in the vc industry through awareness and engagement so join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in vc our guest today is tanya rolf tanya previously managing partner at her capital is currently working on a new platform sophia an innovative learning platform focused on financial wellness and how to courses for those that want to embark on an investment journey Before that she served as the founder of the Ladies Investment Club. Tanya has her prior experience in corporate law including property and M&A and she's passionate about empowering women to learn and invest and we're excited to have her on our show today. Thanks for joining us Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. Really happy to be here. So um we're going to jump right in and talk a little bit about your career. Most specifically, can you tell me what inspired your transition from law to finance. Yes, I can. Um it was literally a um part personal and part professional reasons. Um it was around the time that I was moving between so I'm originally from London and I live in Singapore in Southeast Asia. And I moved from from London to Singapore and I had two children under the age of 2 years of age one being a newborn and um moved to singapore on maternity leave from from the law firm that i was working at in london and decided that it was a great opportunity being in you know in new in new country to do something to do something different and when i started to look around in singapore it, it quickly became apparent that singapore was a huge um startup ecosystem and hub for 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 asia really outside of china yeah. and um it was super interesting you know having been in law firms for so long um to actually start to make one or two personal investments um in in sort of various spaces and realizing that it was super interesting learning um about all of these businesses from a commercial perspective but having knowing that i had some skills that were transferable from my previous career into what i was doing and so that really was the um eureka moment for me and set me off on my journey really interesting and um i do think we've had um numerous guests on the show um that have done the switch whether that's law to finance or um banking to finance and a lot of them have moved around and have seen um that kind of transition as well so um really nice to get your take on it keeping uh keeping on track with the inspiration part um i'm really curious to know what inspired you to participate in the vc lab how has that changed your approach towards startups as an investor um so the vc lab actually was very interesting we we joined last minute um i was in london in the summer of last year because as as we all know covid was raging through most of the world and um and it was particularly tough here in singapore so i i headed home um for a bit of home comforts and um and a friend of mine who's from boston 
messaged me and said, hey, Tanya, the VC Lab have this, um, the Founder Institute have this um, program called the VC Lab. And she, you know, she knew that I was in the process of setting up her capital, which was a venture capital fund for women entrepreneurs. And um, it was the first time I was doing it. So she obviously thought she probably need a little bit of help. And um, she forwarded me this program. And I think the deadline was that evening. Um, and you had to submit a business case to get on the course. So I did it, but obviously with only a few hours to spare, not really expecting to get in and, and by a stroke of luck, perhaps we we did. Um, and it was just a timing thing um, in that it was a course, you know, for aspiring venture capitalists, um, getting them from zero to launch in a very finite period, you know, a short finite period of time. And um, it was perfect timing for us because we were, when I looked at the course content, a lot of it was actual practical for for doing the things that the steps that you need to take so it wasn't an additional job for me you know I had to run the fund during the day and then go and do all this coursework actually the the coursework for the for the course was um was actually getting the fund up and running so it was super helpful to have on tap a lot of experienced um investors to and VCs to really guide us um in terms of how it changed who I was investing in or how I viewed startups. Now that I would say was where we didn't quite fit for the course in that um, we had a fund. Well, first and foremost, we were female fund managers, which were quite in a minority in the group and globally speaking as well. I can imagine. <laughs> I think globally for venture capital funds, I think it's around 2.4% of all fund managers are women. So there weren't many women on the course. Um, I think I was the only woman in the Asia, in my Asia cohort. Um, and, um, and so a lot of the course, a lot of the, the content, and obviously it's Silicon Valley based as well. So that's probably even more sort of very male dominated and, and with a particular type of business in mind that they're looking to invest into. And I think with our thesis of investing into women across Southeast Asia and as women ourselves with a slightly different lens to perhaps the Silicon Valley male VC, you can imagine that there were some differences <laughs> in ideal portfolio companies, you know, who we were going to invest into. So I found the course extremely useful from a perspective of getting the fund up and running. In terms of how I viewed portfolio companies, I had to apply a slightly different lens because the way I, I personally think that it, some of the things, you know, didn't quite match what we were trying to do. And I completely understand why. Um, but I also had to apply some common sense and, and not um, start to think in a way that, say, a male VC in Silicon Valley that wants to only invest in hyper growth tech companies would view a deal. That isn't quite how I was, you know, how I should view deals with what I'm doing um, with a slightly different thesis and strategy. And, and largely that came down to, you know, not just unicorn chasing. A lot of women build businesses that are, you know, moderate growth, sustained profitability, and um, they often get excluded from venture capital. Um, and we just didn't want to do that at Her Capital and wanted to um, have a slightly different take on venture. And I think a lot of new and emerging fund managers are doing the same. 
That's really interesting. And and I, I totally get what you're saying. I think, especially when it comes to women and people starting their own VC funds, there is their own um, subjective take on how to assess startups that comes from it. And you started the company, um, you know, with that mindset of investing more in female founders, so that you also looking at probably markets that not a lot of VCs, male dominant VCs uh, are looking at. So um, that's that's really interesting to to hear experience with with the program. Um, so I want to touch a little bit on your transition to VC. So as you transition to VC, your projects, most recently, Sophia, have emphasized on women investors and investing in women, like I said. What really motivated this? Um, was there a one moment or was this something that accumulated over time? This is an amazing question and I'm going to talk for about three hours now. Um, so, <laughs> That's <all good. laughs> so, um, so when I was working within law, um, at one point I ran a, I ran a, um, a program for one of the law firms on where all the female lawyers were. And because like a lot of professional industries, there, there's, there's a lack of women in the senior roles. A lot of women in the junior roles, but then what happens to them? So it was kind of like, a, what's happening to all of our women? Um, and I think I probably, in fact, I did know why we didn't have any women in the senior roles within the law firm, but um, was tasked with this big, you know, project of of research and analyzing and coming up with some strategies and suggestions. And I did. And to say it wasn't well received is an understatement of 2021. And so I came away from from law and from you know from law firms and London and just with that still in the pit of my stomach, saying, "Well, that just doesn't fit sit, sit well with me," um, because there's so many things that we could be doing to retain great f- female talent. Um, and we just sort of say, oh, well, that's a bit hard. So, you know, we're just going to carry on as we are. Um, and then every few months or years, we'll scratch our heads and say, but where are all the women? Oh, we'll do some studies and some research and write some papers. And then we'll just carry on as we were before. And it's so frustrating. So I came to Singapore, started to make these personal investments, and then scratched the surface of angel investing and venture capital and realized that, you know, women were receiving such little capital and not just in Southeast Asia where I was obviously it's a global a global issue I actually think that Southeast Asia might be marginally better than the global statistics um not materially but you know somewhat marginally um improved um and and so it took it took me I would say about two seconds to realize that women were you know, so marginalized in this space um, and that there were no other women like me when I started walking into pitching events. You know, there's no very few women in the audience listening to pitches, um, very few women on the stage pitching. And I just had this baby and she was a girl and, and I was looking at her, looking at her older brother and like, well, this is, this is crazy. I'm bringing you two up in a world where your brother is going to have significantly more opportunities than you are just by the fact that he's a boy. And I just thought, you know, I can't sit by and let that be the case. Um, and I wanted to 
change that and I wanted to be part of that change. So investing into women founders um, just made absolute sense. And it also, also, not just because it made me angry that they don't receive capital, but because when you have something that's completely untapped, um, logic would tell me that that's an opportunity. And so I felt that, you know, women, 51% of the population, and if they're receiving 24 2.5% of all venture capital dollars, that is a huge untapped um, pool of founders, as well as large number of women build businesses for women. Women are 51% of the population. So um, if we're not building, biz- you know, if we're, build- if we're building businesses for 51% of the population, let's say female health, for example, periods, you know, menstruation, fertility, menopause, you know, a a large number of those things that affect women affect all of us. You know, we're all going to be um, having our periods for, you know, decades. We're we're, we're likely all going to suffer from menopause in some way. This is huge market share. So we've got this huge untapped group of founders um, who, in my experience and, you know, as a woman as well, myself, I know what we're capable of. Um, so I have this different lens to most VCs for sure. And then I could see this huge opportunity specifically when women are building businesses for women. So I was, it just was such an obvious, um, place to be. So launching a fund for women entrepreneurs just made sense. Um, obviously I was angel investing for, for female entrepreneurs too. That made sense. And then Sophia, um, which is my my new favorite topic, um, is all about empowering and educating women and ideally, you know, creating more female investors to support female founders. So we have a huge group of funders and founders, um, all women, cre- you know, creating, decreasing the the gap between, the venture capital gap between men and women and increasing um, women's wealth which decreases the wealth gap that exists between men and women. So for me, it's just like just a win-win-win on all counts. Absolutely. And I want to touch on that a little bit more. Um, And it takes us to our next question. But curious to know your observations on women's relationship with money, their role not only at venture capitalists, but also as angel investor, as you said yourself, um, you were at some point, and LPs. Yeah, that's a great question as well. Um, I mean, the the answer is very um, multifaceted, I would say. I don't think it's uh, one size fits all. And I think that, um, you know, I'm speaking in very generalized terms here, but um, when was the last time that you yourself, you know, met up with a group of girlfriends and started just chit-chatting about deals and investments and money? Um, I'm going to guess that that doesn't happen that often, not perhaps not because, nope. yeah, exactly, exactly. And the same for me. And I've been working in investing in venture capital for the last five years, but I would say that most of my friends shy away from asking me, you know, they might say, oh, how's the business? But they don't really want to know about investments. They just want to check that I'm okay and that, you know, things are ticking along. Um, but you know, if I started to say, oh, I've got this amazing deal and they want this and they want that, it, people just become uncomfortable. I think women become a little bit uncomfort- uncomfortable talking about it. Um, and and I think that historically, ven- um, venture or finance really is an industry, you know, it's a very 
traditional industry uh, with lots and lots of men. And, you know, that's through no fault of anyone's. Um, it's just, you know, years ago, women weren't working. And so men dominated finance. And it just hasn't changed in the way that some other industries have. And it's it's much slower to change. Um, so, you know, this is not a finger pointing exercise um, of men versus women. It's just an acknowledgement that um, finance is a traditional industry, always was heavily male dominated. And then I think that it also doesn't attract um, women because, you know, imagine you're 22 years old and you say, oh, what am I going to do? Um, I've just finished university. I'm looking at, you know, let's say a big investment bank on Wall Street. Oh, oh, wow. You know, 90% male doesn't really, you know, it doesn't, isn't that appealing to a lot of women. Um, and of course, unless we get more women in there, it's not going to be more appealing. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation going on with that. So I think it's that. I think it's a lack of talking about it. Um, it's very, full of jargon as well, finance. You know, it sounds all very complicated and a bit boring. Um, and it's not, and it's super exciting. And I really want to um, talk to people more about, you know, investments. And and I think that that's where, that's really where the passion and the, you know, the foundation of Sophia comes from, because I believe my, it's my firm belief that if I can get in front of a group of women with zero finance education, and let's be honest, not many of us have had finance, like a um, financial education at, at school. I think personal finance is, is completely missed off the curriculum um, from, from most of the world, which is shocking. Um, if, if I can get in front of a group of women, a room full of women, and talk to them, not in simple terms and dumbing things down, but just in a normal, you know, casual conversational way um, where I explain terms and I explain things in a very relatable way. I firmly believe that I can get women on board with taking action because I know that women generally want to do something with their money. They're feeling more empowered they're more educated than ever before. They're, there's more women in the workforce than ever before, and they are holding more money than ever before. They also want to, women generally want to do something great with that money, not just give it to a financial advisor and not know what, what's happening. So if they can do something good with that money, they just need just need the tools and the confidence and you know a bit of education around what the options are and how how they can do that. I really believe that that is a huge can be a huge move, movement. I I definitely share your sentiment and I'm I'm really excited about um what Sophia is doing and it's funny because the first answer first part of your answer when you were talking about you know women not feeling comfortable talking about deals as much um we had Mara Hershenson a managing partner at Pair VC um a while back on our show and she talked about how women feel almost it's unnatural to engage, especially in the um, Twitter VC verse, um, which has a lot of opinions that come out um, regularly. Um, and I do think some part of it is this, you know, women haven't had a, a very predominant voice for such a long time in the industry to begin with. And building up that confidence and courage because the ideas are there. All the women I've talked to are exceptional investors. Um, 
but they, they need a little bit of a push to actually just be very, like you said, having more of those conversations. Um, so yeah, um, for sure. And I actually, our last question um, before we have a fun segment at the end is, what work do you personally believe remains to be accomplished for gender equality within VC and the founder community? Um, and what advice do you have for aspiring female investors? Well, I mean, it would be fair to say there is so much work to be done. Um, you know, when you look at that statistic that, or the two statistics that I've thrown out earlier, which is, you know, the, the, the number of female fund managers in the world um, is 2.4, 2.5%. Um, and the percentage of venture capital funding that women have received um, this year has gone down as again, um, which is around the same percentage. Um, there is a lot of work to do. And I think there's a group out of New York um, called uh, Global Women in VC. And they did a study at the end of last year and found that if we don't take some drastic action now. It's going to be 200 years before we achieve gender equality um, when it comes to funding. So the rate at which may, men receive funding and, and that, that women receive funding, 200 years, um, which isn't even my daughter's <laughs> um, or my daughter's daughter's uh, generation. You know, this is a long way off. Um, I I do believe that we that f that f creating more female investors is the way forward and and we do that through um what i want you know what i'm doing at sophia which is you know educating and empowering women to become investors and to take control of their sort of own personal wealth and finances um uh, because women are more likely to invest into women and i think um when we have women building businesses for women um, we all benefit. 51% of the population benefits. Um, so I do, I, I started to think when I was launching Her Capital that the answer was to throw in more fund managers um, like me coming in. Um, and I quickly realized that it isn't just that fund managers are biased and sending their money in a very sort of traditional, expected and tried and tested way. Um, but the institutions funding those fund managers, <laughs> there's bias there too. Um, so actually, you know, putting in, let's say, 10 fund female fund managers who can't access any money for their fund because of the flow of capital from institutional investors isn't going to help us. We're just going to have 10 frustrated female fund managers on our hands. So unless, you know... Um, and this is a big ask, unless the institutional investors start to change the way they deploy capital, um, which, you know, isn't going to happen overnight, um, then I think that the only thing to do is to tap into other pools of money that are currently untapped, um, such as females, um, you know, high net worth females who are sitting on, on personal wealth. Um, and so, I really do believe that's the answer. And so the launch of Sophia comes from, you know, trying to navigate that world of, okay, well, I'm going to be a new female fund manager and I'm going to go and tackle, um, I'm going to go raise money from these institutions and then, you know, realizing, oh, well, this isn't going to work and it's not going to work for me and nor for many of my female counterparts and other funds. 
Um, so you have to be resourceful and, and creative. And so I genuinely am sat here thinking that the key to some serious change in this world is through education for women. Um, and I think that it's, and, and community. I think one of the things that women, I think you touched on this earlier, one of the things that women really, you know, how women feel um, comfortable and confident is when they're surrounded by people like themselves. So if you create a, a space for women to feel, you know, it, there are other people that look and sound a little bit like them, um, who, whom they can learn from as well, that's a community. And I think that is extremely powerful. So that is where I think most of the work should be done. And that's what I'm trying to achieve with Sophia. Um, I'm so sorry, I forgot the second half of your question. <laughs> no problem at all. If you had to give um, advice to aspiring female investors, and those can be, you know, um, college students um, to um, people, women wanting to make a switch to investing, uh, what would that be? Okay, um, so... There are, there are, um, there's definitely dangers to, you know, just starting out and, and saying, right, I'm going to start investing ad hoc on my own into random companies that I like the sound of or look of, um, because there's more, there's, there's a lot to think about. So what I would say on the one hand, I'm trying to encourage more women to do, to do this. And on the other hand, I'm saying, well, you know, we need to understand the risks a, a little more. So, you know, things like angel investment networks are fantastic for newbies, for people that are, you know, and are just wanting to, you know, dip their toe into this space because they really do provide you with a space where you can go and just observe. You could go and watch, you know, a hundred pitches if you like, and not invest in a single one. There's no obligation. Um, you know, joining a community like Sophia um, is going to, re you know, where they're, you're only meeting people who are thinking like you, who are in the same space as you at the same stage. Um, but I do think knowledge is is king here, and and I think that if if you um, having wanting to do wanting to to activate and to embark on an investment journey is um is a bold thing in itself um but surround yourself with people that have done it before or they think in a similar way and think back to my conversation earlier or my discussion earlier around um you know not at my strategy and thesis not matching up with perhaps a Silicon Valley VC who's you know, wants to invest into a hyper growth tech company. So it's, it's not just, Oh, well, they're, they were an investor. Um, so they, they must be right. Um, surround yourself in people with people that believe in what you believe in. If you, if you want to back climate change companies, you know, seek those people out, um, and angel investment networks and, and places like Sophia and the community that we have is exactly the type of place that I'm, I'm thinking of and, and just, and just observe for a while, you know, there's no rush. Um, observe and see see what feels good for you. Amazing. And this really ties well into the global theme of education um, and educating women um, about investing. Before we end this conversation, I would love to have a few rapid fire questions with you um, and just trying to get your honest take on some um, really laid back questions here. 
And the first one is if you had to pick a cuisine for, you know, the rest of your life, um, what would that be? Sushi. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, is there a book that you've read recently or a show you watched that really inspired you? Oh, yes. I imagine CJ Walker. You don't know I either. don't know. No. Okay, so she was America's first black woman millionaire and she made it mm -hmm. through – um, she made it through um, hair products for African-American women and um, self-made. It's called self-made. And um, yeah, Madam C.J. Walker overcame so, like she was in the deep south of the U.S. and overcame so many challenges. And, you know, and given the era of the, of the show and her, you know, her um, race and, and what she was trying to do. And she, she, she just, she was a powerhouse. She was amazing. Really, really good show. Yeah, I quickly just looked it up and it looks pretty amazing. Yeah, um, so I might try it. It might be on my list for the week. Um, and one last question for you is, um, have you had a role model in your life? And that can be personal or professional. Good question. Um, I think that I haven't had one person that, um, yeah. that I've – um, looked up to for the whole of my career throughout, but I definitely seek out. I've definitely, I, I have definitely sought out um, mentors um, throughout my um, career. And I also think that I try really hard and I can think of two or three um, women to offer that to in return um, because I know that it's been like gold for me. I've, I've actually, I've had two or three male and female um, role models and mentors, I would say. Mm -hmm. And it is, like you said, it is a cycle. It's um, give back what you received. Um, and I think, I think in a large part, this podcast and also your platform are also trying to do that um, with the whole education part. Um, thank you so much, Tanya, for being on the show today. Those are all the questions I have for you. Um, and thanks so much for sharing your insights and your experience. I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I really, I really enjoyed the questions. Thank you.